Two summers ago, Crystal and I decided to go to Orlando for vacation. Now, let me just hit pause on that thought. I'm not the biggest Disney fan. Um, it's just, you know, it's, it's, I'm more of a roller coaster person. But anyway, we went, part of that trip, we went to Disney World and did the Disney thing. And for our, our youngest, uh, Adeline, she had never been. So it was kind of like, okay, this could be our last trip to Disney. Uh, but we want her to uh, experience it. So we did that. But as a part of that vacation, we made the hour drive to Tampa and went to Bush Gardens. And uh, we had never been there. Um, I, I've been to Bush, Bush Gardens a bunch of times growing up in Williamsburg, Virginia, but never the one in, in Florida. So we go there. We get to the park right when it opens. Um, this is two years ago, so our kids are two years younger than they are now. Adeline was six. And we get there. We're literally probably one of the first 200 people into the park. And so my thought is, in an amusement park, because I love rides and I love roller coasters, and is let's go to something that's going to get backed up. If, you're, if you wait three or four hours, the, as the crowds come in, the lines are going to get longer. So, but we didn't know the park that well. We had just kind of looked at it. And so, so we decided, hey, the, the first ride that we're going to ride together as a family is this roller coaster called Cheetah Run. And, and so, um, so we go to this roller coaster, and... Adeline decides, and she's never ridden a roller coaster in her life. The, the closest thing she's come to that is probably a carousel at, down at uh, Jones Park. And so she said, I'm going to ride it. She was tall enough to ride it. So we get in line, and we're there, and the six of us get on the coaster. I forget who was riding with who. The boys may have been with each other, and Crystal and Danica with each other. And Adeline said, Dad, I want to be by you. And I said, okay, because there's two seats in each row. So we get in there, and we ride this roller coaster, and while it doesn't have a huge hill, I mean, it does have a, a, a part of a good hill, but it is incredibly fast, and I'm looking over at my six-year-old daughter, and her face is kind of frozen, going, what have I gotten myself into? And she's, like, screaming for joy and terror at the same time. And we get done, and I look, <laughs> I look over to her, Adeline, how was that? She goes, I liked it, but I never want to do it again. And... Uh, the, the, and that was her very first roller coaster experience that day. She ended up riding some more roller coasters that day. Not all of them. She couldn't height-wise ride all of them, but she did ride some. But that was her first experience. And, and so she was like, every time she thinks of a roller coaster now, that's what she thinks of because that is locked into her memory because it was first. Now, the reason I, I told that story is just this. We're going to talk about first today as we finish up this series um, called Living My Best Life. And we've talked about surrender. We've talked about prayer. Last week we talked about fixing our focus and making sure our focus is on the right things. Today we're going to talk about firsts. And the principle of first is found th throughout the Bible. Throughout, from the book of Genesis, it's introduced. In fact, um, one of the first stories in Genesis is, is Cain killing Abel. But you remember before that happened, um, they brought their, their offerings to the Lord. And it says that, uh, that Abel brought his first fruits, or not his first fruits, but the, the firstborn of his flock. And so you see this idea of first all throughout the Bible. And it just leads me to ask this question as we get started today. Is God first in your life? There's some really good things that could be first in your life. Family, career, uh, enjoyment. I mean, we could just, we could go down the list, but is God first place in your life. This whole series we've been kind of 
going off the phrase of living my best life, and I've talked about how it's not my favorite phrase, but but if we really want to live a life that's impactful and a kingdom life and a God-honoring life, I I just want to say this. 2024 will be the best year of your life, whether you're 75 or you're 15, if it's the best year of your life spiritually. It, It may not be the best year of your life financially. It may not be the best year of your life relationally or in your career or in your schooling, but it absolutely will be the best year of your life if if spiritually it is the best year of your life. I want to read a a verse from Romans chapter 11 to you. Romans 11, 16, this is what it says. It says, if the first fruit is holy, so is the lump. If the root is holy, so are the branches. And that type of language is, is kind of going back to what Jesus taught about, I am the vine and you are the branches. You are in me, I am in the Father, and then you are in me and being connected to, to the vine. And, and so that's kind of where that, that, that language is coming from. But there are lots of things that we can put first in our life. But I, I just want to say this this morning, and we're going to take communion together at, at the end, and I'm excited about, about that and being able to just remember what Jesus did for us. But you can do a lot of things first in your life. You can put a lot of areas in your life first, but God's just saying this, would you put me first? If you're going to have a relationship with me, if you're going to call me Lord and Savior, would you put me first? In fact, Matthew 6, Jesus is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, and he's been talking about some different things, and he launches into these three or four verses talking about all the cares of the world, all, all the things that we think of, the, the things that we need to be clothed with and how we need to be fed, and he's, he's talking about that on and on. And then in, in verse 33, he says this very familiar uh, verse of chapter 6. It says, Seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness and all these things, all the cares, all the stuff, all the things that get our attention, all the things that we have a tendency to want to put first above God, all these things will be added to you. Now, they're not always added in the way that we want, or maybe in the amount that we want, or the time that we want, but they will be taken care of when we honor God and we put him first in all areas of our life. He takes care of all the details. Um, Crystal and I, <laughs> Crystal and I go to the gym. We've started going to the gym again at the beginning of the year. And, and I'll tell you, from like Thanksgiving to um, December, the end of the year, we didn't go to the gym at all. But we've gotten back into Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We're at the gym. And the gym we go to, uh, you walk in and right to the left there are these lockers. And that's where we tend to throw our phone and our keys and if we have a jacket or whatever on. And they have little combinations for you to put in so it's locked while you're there exercising. And, um, but the thing is with, with those combinations, if you don't get the first number right, you can get the other three right. But if the first is not right, and the, here's the deal. I'm just going to be honest. Crystal usually is the one that puts the stuff in the locker. And, um, and, and you know, she puts it in there. She does the combination. It's just the way that it works because she checks in before I do. And so... Um, all that to say, uh, one day I had to get stuff out of there, and I thought I knew what the combination she used. We used the same combination, I thought, you know, all the time, and, and I go, and I'm like, and I, I'm standing there, and the people around me are thinking, is this guy a stalker? What's he doing? Is he trying to get in my locker? I'm sitting there with the, fiddling with the numbers. I couldn't get the first number right, and so the, I couldn't open up the locker, and the same is true in our lives. If we don't get the order right sometimes, 
in, in our relationship with God, if we don't put God first where he desires to be and where he longs to be, if we don't get the sequence right, things get out of balance. The order influences the rest. And so what are some practical ways that we can do this? And there's, there's probably a lot that we could talk about today. But in the next 20, 25 minutes, I just want to talk about four. And they're not going to be groundbreaking. You're not going to go, Kevin, I never thought of that. Or why didn't, I, I've never heard that before. But here's what I do hope and what I've been praying is that something that we talk about in these next few minutes will uh, challenge you, will encourage you, will help you take a next step will help you maybe refocus or reorganize or reprioritize in a way that would honor God and that would allow this to be a life this year that you live that is, uh, that is your best life living after and for God's kingdom. So number one is this. We're going to talk about four firsts. And the first one is this, the first of every day. Now let me just say this. Um, I, any other night owls in the room, you're a night owl, you tend to do... Someone, I had someone tell me this morning that their spouse does their devotions like at midnight. And, you know, that's, that's I, I'm 11 p.m., midnight. When, whenever you do it, get them done, it, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing. I'm a night owl. And as I've gotten older, that time has kind of gone a little earlier. I don't, you know. Um, but I, I tend to be a night owl. But the first part of every day is something really, really powerful. And I want to just kind of un- talk about it for a few minutes Matthew 6.21 says this, For wherever your treasure is, you may be certain that your heart will be there too. So whatever, whatever we give priority to, our, our heart is going to follow. Our affections are going to follow. And so we want to do the best of giving God the first part of every day. Now, um, as I said, I, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a morning person, and, or not, I'm a night person, so the mornings are like, uh, but I'm the first one to get up in my house. Um, it's just the way that it works in our home during the school year. I get up first. I, I get myself ready. I shower. I do all that. But can I tell you, I've tried to, to set aside time to, uh, to spend with the Lord before everyone else gets up. And I don't always get it right, but there's something powerful about the very first thing doing in the morning is opening up God's word and reading it and allowing him to talk to me and talking to him. Before I answer any texts, before I look at my phone and get emails, before I see what happened in the news uh, overnight, before I do anything, before I have conversation with anyone. But I've had to get creative because Sometimes getting up that extra 15, 20, 30 minutes earlier can be a, so, so you are going to laugh at this, and I can't believe I'm admitting this from a stage in church. Um, but I, I've started doing part of my, I can't believe I'm saying this, part of my devotions in the shower. Now, some of you are like, what? What is wrong with you, Pastor Kevin? There's a lot of things. The list is long, but um, no one's bothering me in the shower. There's some warm water, you know, coming down. I feel a little closer to Jesus, especially on those cold mornings. And, and so, I mean, I've got, my, I've got my, 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 my phone in the shower. That's a little weird, too. I've got my phone in there, and I'm, I'm reading. And, and, and so I, I, never, I pray in the shower. I never thought that, like, shower time and, and devotion time could coexist, but they are right now in my life. I'm just sharing that with you to say, listen, I'm a night owl, but there's something powerful about the first thing that I do in the morning is recognizing my connection to God. 
and spending time with him and listening to him and, and, and uh, looking in his word. And um, however you have to do it, and I, I just want to say this, when, when you connect with God in the morning, it will give you confidence through the rest of the day. And it seems like every day is, is, a, is a reality of this in my life. There, there are mornings where I, don't, where I don't hit the mark. I miss the mark. I don't, you know, things are rushed. Maybe I get up late. Maybe whatever else is going on. And I don't, I don't spend that time with the Lord in that moment that I need to. Can I tell you, um, it's not that one day is better than the other. But my confidence in who he is and him walking with me and him working through me is at a greater, greater level when I spend time with him in the morning. And so the challenge for us is, listen, you may have to get up a little earlier. You may have to rearrange your morning. Um, you know, as you read through the Gospels, how many times do you read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John where it says early in the morning Jesus got up and went and spent time with his heavenly father? He went and he prayed. And he t- and I, that, that's an example, I believe, set for us. And I don't want to become legalistic about the morning, but I, there is something really, really powerful about the first of every day, giving it to him. And prayer, we talked about it in the second week in the series, prayer is not a monologue, it's, it's dialogue. It's not just, God, I need this, I want this, she needs this, would you be with this person? It's this, this ongoing conversation. We're listening, he's talking. And, and one, of the, one of the best ways that he talks to us and one of the most consistent ways that he speaks to us is through the Bible. Um, I had someone several weeks ago come to me with a concern. Um, no, no one that's in this room right now, so you don't, you don't look around the room, but someone that I know in, in the area. Um, and they go to another church, but I know them through relationships. And they, goes, they said, Pastor Kim, can I talk to you about something? I'm like, sure. They said, I, I'm having a real struggle. I said, well, what, what's your struggle to, you know, Tell me, tell me about it. I, I feel like I don't hear from the Lord enough. And so we began to just kind of talk about that. I, don't, I felt really free to talk to them in some real honest ways. I guess because I'm, I'm, I have kind of a friendship with them, but I don't see them regularly, just, just occasionally. And, and so we began to talk about this, and th- this was their whole thing. Um, they're not hearing the Lord speak to them. And I said, well, have you been reading your Bible? Well, not really. You know, the Holy Spirit speaks to us. The Holy Spirit is living inside of us. God speaks to us. But you know the most consistent way he speaks to us is through his word. And so um, if, if, if we're waiting for the Holy Spirit to drop nuggets into our life and to hear him speak clearly, I think the best starting place for us is to open up God's word. Whether that's a Bible in your lap, a phone in your hand, a screen in some other way. But the first of every day, and here's, here's the big thought, and we're going to move on to the second one. No matter what comes my way in my day, when I give God the first, I know he's going to take care and influence whatever happens. And, and, and I, he does that anyway, but there's confidence in my mind. He doesn't, he, he doesn't need me to meet with him at the first of the day. I need it. I, I need it. You need it. We need it. Um, my conversations are better. My focus is better. My attention span is better. Um, I feel like I hear clearer. And so I, I just want to encourage you to, whatever that looks like for you, you're like, Kevin, I can't, I, I, it won't work, and I can't do that in the shower. That's fine. I, you know, one of the, that, I'm just trying to find what works for me. You find what works for you. But let's do all that we can to give the God first of every day. And some of you wake up early for work. Some of you are up at 3.30 or 4.00. So that means, man, the first of every day happens at dark 30. 
Some of you are retired and you're the first of your day, maybe 1030. I, I have to laugh. I call my parents once a week. Uh, really my mom. I call my mom once a week. And it usually happens on Wednesdays. But you know, occasionally it doesn't. And so if I don't get them on Wednesdays, I'll call them on Thursdays. And about 10, 10.30, I, I'll call. My mom will answer the phone. I'm like, what are you doing? She said, oh, I'm making breakfast. I said, breakfast? It's 10.30. She goes, we're retired, son. You don't understand. We'll eat breakfast when we want. I'm like, yes, ma'am. Um, it's just so different than what I remember growing up. Anyway, I don't, that wasn't even in the notes. Number two. I'm going to give them the first of every day. The second thing is this, the first of every week. The first of every week. Um, we don't think about Sunday as the first day of the week. We think of Sunday as, we think Monday is the first day of the week because it's the beginning of the work week and the school week and the task list and the appointments that we have and the doctor's appointments, the things that we have to get done. So Monday's kind of the, Sunday's the first day of the week or Sunday's the last day of the weekend, and what we don't get done on Saturday, we tend to push to Sunday, and, and it just kind of goes from there, and, and I, I want to I just challenge you. This is what God's Word tells us in, Proverbs, in Hebrews chapter 10. It says, let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging, love, and helping out, not avoiding worship together as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. And so that big day, obviously, is talking about the return of the Lord. And so the thought is just this, and, and God, I'm, I'm going to give you the reason we gather together. And, and another, another uh, version of this says, don't, don't neglect the assembling together, uh, being together with each other. Um, and we say, God, I want my life to matter. I want it to have purpose. Um, and so I, I, one of the big things we can do with that is when we serve other people. But I, I love the thought of assembling together. It, it doesn't say, let us not neglect attending church. It says assembling together. What does that word assemble? It means to put together, to fit together, to, um, to, to find your place in the body of Christ and find your place and use your abilities and your giftings and your talents to serve others and honor God. And so um, it's the whole idea of let's assemble together. And, and without you, we're not whole. We need to, we need to fit together. Um, I don't, my parents are making it into this message. They'll probably listen to this later. But uh, one of the things that they've gotten big into in their retirement, they've been retired for uh, two, two and a half years now, is they're always doing puzzles. I'm like, what is, what is wrong with you? Now, I have ADHD. I can't do a puzzle to save my life. In fact, um, when Danica was really young, we used to have these kids' puzzles that are like only eight pieces, and you have to, they're big pieces, and you put them together. And, and I'd sit on the floor and help her, and she's really helping me as a two-year-old. Anyway, um, they're, they're always doing puzzles. In fact, some, some of, the, uh, some of our, our, our kids for Christmas got them puzzles as their gift to their grandparents. They're always putting, they just love to do it. They love to piece together. And that, that scripture in Hebrews really talks about assembling together, of coming together. We come to worship God, to give him honor and praise and glory, to hear from his word. But we also want to find a place to fit. We want to find a place to serve, to sign up, to step up, and to serve. And so tonight, we're going to get to honor and we're going to get to love on all of you that find places to serve throughout um, throughout the year in different spots and in different ways. And, and I love it because some people could serve in a cafe, giving you a, a, a wonderful 
handcrafted beverage. There's others of you that serve out in the parking lot on security. There's others of you that serve and you clean. And no one would ever know that you clean the building, but you're here Thursday in the afternoon cleaning. So all that to say, we want to just honor. But I'm going to give God the first of every week because we want you to be a part of what God is doing here. And here, here's, here's the, the big thought. When you serve others, you're serving God. And when you serve God, he shows up in the details of your life. And, I, and I, I, I wish I could tell you what that looks like and how that happens. And I don't know because it's different for all of us. But when we honor him, when we serve others, when we have a heart for other people, we're, we're serving him. You know, what did, what did Jesus tell his disciples? He said, listen, um, you know what, if you, when you gave that person a cup of cold water, you were, you were, you were giving to me. When you fed the hungry, when you clothed the naked, you were serving me. And the same is true today. When we serve other people, we're serving God. And when we serve God, he shows up for our life. So I want to do all that I can to give them the first of every week. Now, I'm not saying legalistically, you got to be in church every single Sunday. Um, but, but I think there's something powerful about being a part of a place where you can say, I'm going to be a part of this, and I'm going to find my place to serve, and we're going to be together. We're going to love the Lord, and we're going to love other people, and that's a powerful, powerful thing. Number three, and I'm going to go through this one quickly, and we'll get to number four. Um, so not only the first of every day, the, the first of every week, but also the first of every pay period. And we're not going to spend a lot of time on this, but here's, here's why tithing is such a big deal. It transforms our heart, which we all need, but it also transforms and is a transition of who we trust. Because many of us, and I would put myself on the list, we tend to trust ourselves or we trust others for the things that we need. And God says, Will you just trust me? I will, I, this tithing is not a financial transaction, whether you do it. Online, whether you give on Sunday mornings in the offering, whether you text give, it's not a financial transaction. It is, God, I, I am allowing this to transform my heart, and I'm transitioning who and what I trust, and I'm putting my trust on you. Deuteronomy 14.23 says this, the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. And, you know, that, man, that is... That's a challenging thing sometimes, let's be honest. So it, it's not always an easy thing. It's not always something that's like, well, this is such an easy thing to do. But it's something that competes for our attention and competes for our energy more than anything else. So we begin to trust God in this way. And we, we're no longer trusting the company we work for necessarily or, or our own creativity or ourselves, but we're going to trust the one who does not fail, the one who does not uh, walk out on us. Tithing is not a business transaction. It's really a faith transaction. Hebrews 11:6 6 says this, without faith, no one can please God. Without you and I exhibiting faith and trust in our life, we can't please God. We, we can't show up to church enough to please him. We, 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 because the one coming to God must believe he exists and he rewards those who come seeking. The first of every pay period, the first of every week, the first of every day. And um, we already did this, but we're going to talk about number four. The first of every year. Now, we did a, a week of prayer and fasting, and here's why we did that. Not because any of us needed to lose weight. 
not because we wanted to go on a, a crash diet. We did it to draw closer to the Lord. It, it's not a, it was not a hunger strike. It was not about trying to get God to do something for us. But I, I found something to be true that week. And, and there were some days that were easier than others. But as, as I became maybe physically weak or I, I was struggling with, man, I really want this, this item or this food, uh, I, I noticed spiritually I became more aware of what was going on around me. The less stimulated we are mentally, sometimes the more sensitive we will be spiritually. And I, ju I just want to say this. Um, that's why we start in January with, with a, a week of prayer and fasting. But here's what I want to challenge you to do. And I, I'm, I'm doing it in my own life. Um, I always looked at fasting, and I think biblical fasting is, is the way that if you do a study of it, it, it always involves food and, um, and sometimes drink and, and different things that, that they would do. Uh, I'm going to try some different things this year with fasting in terms of fasting social media, fasting uh, <laughs> watching shows, because here's, here's what I'm discovering in my own life, and maybe the same is true for you. Um, the less emotionally entertained we choose to be, the more spiritually in tune it allows us to be. And, and, and listen, I, we, we all like entertainment. We all, we all like things that grab our attention. Um, and, but, and we talked a little bit about this uh, the, the first week when we talked about surrender. But um, man, I find myself doing this all the time throughout the day. I'm checking emails that I need to unsubscribe to. I'm... I've got text messages going. I, I've got lists on to-do lists on here. I, you know, you've got all types of information. I, I just pull this thing out, and, and it can be so distracting and so um, just, man, it just causes my day to, to stop. And so we give God the first of every year through, through prayer and fasting because I think those two things are linked and they're important. And we want to honor God with, with who we are and what we choose to do and what our lives are, choose to be about. Colossians chapter 3 says this. It says, since then, you have been raised with Christ. So we've been, we've been raised with him. Listen to what it says. Set your hearts on things above. Think about heaven. Think about what God cares about. Think about what moves his heart. Think about what is important to him. Set your hearts on things above. I find it really hard to do that when I'm consumed with things here on the earth. Now, <laughs> You've heard people say before, hey, I don't want to think so much about heaven that I'm, that I'm in the clouds and I'm, I'm not any good here on earth in terms of accomplishing what, what God wants to do in my life. I think it's very rare for the, us to get there. Usually, we're so consumed with things here on earth that we forget to think about heaven. Who in here grew up in South Mississippi? You've lived here your whole life. Lift your hand up. And there's a lot of you. A lot of, you know what? As wonderful as this place is to live, it's not your home. It's not my home. I grew up in a different part of the country. It's not my home. Our home is in heaven with the Lord. That's home. That's, that's, and some of us get to get there before others. But, but that's our home. That, that, that is our, um, that's our destiny. But while we're here on earth, God has mission and purpose and things that he wants our lives to be about. And in my life, it can't just be about loving my wife and raising my family and, and being a good neighbor and a good friend. And, you know, it has to be about those things, but it also has to be about the things that God wants to do, the purpose that he's given to me in my life. And the same is true for you. It says, <clears throat> set your hearts on things above where Christ is, 
seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Practicing first things first gives focus and energy to the things that matter most. And if your life is anything like mine, it's so easy to lose the right focus on what really matters. Because all these things, these people, these lists, the, the entertainment, all these things are pulling at our attention. But putting first things first every day, every week, every year with our finances, putting first things first allows us to focus and be energized on what matters the most. Revelation chapter 2 verse 4, um, Jesus talks to these churches uh, at the beginning of the book of Revelation. And then later on it gets into you know, some, some of the things that are going to happen in the future and, and Wow, what, what, a, um, what a unique time to be reading through Revelation right now, just in the world that we live in. But chapter 2, verse 4 says this. I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. I, I share that scripture just to say this. When, when we embrace the principle of the first We'll experience the power of living our best life and loving God like we did at first in the way that he wants us to in our lives. And I, that's what I want for your life. Now, I want your life to, to be enjoyable. I, I want you to have good things. But more than any of that, I, I want you to live your life in a way that honors and pleases God, that you'll live a kingdom life. And then when you do that and when I do that, we'll be living the best life that God has created and designed us to live. Remember, we started off this whole series with John 10.10 where Jesus said, listen, the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I have come that you might have abundant life, a life to the full, a rich and satisfying life, and that's only found when we live the way that God's designed us to live. Would you close your eyes with me this morning? God, I pray right now, um, for all of us in this room, that, that maybe there's some, there's some firsts in our life that need to be rearranged, reorganized. I pray that you would do that. God, would you challenge us? Would your Holy Spirit speak to us? Would we be obedient to what you say to us? God, sometimes our knowledge far outweighs our obedience. Help us, Lord. I pray that you would you would help each of us as individuals put you first in every area and arena of our life. Sometimes we pick and choose. Sometimes we say, God, I like you first here, but I'm not sure about putting you first over here. But God, would, would we just lean into you and we, would we trust you? You are good enough. You are faithful enough that we can trust you to do what you have said that you will do. Your promises, your word says, are yes and amen because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. And so we're gonna, we're gonna lean into those things today. We're going to trust you. And God, I pray that as we do that, 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 our, that our faith would grow, that our relationship with you would grow, that we would be men and women that are taking next steps, clear next steps into becoming the people that you want us to be. God, forgive us for, for ways that we failed. For, forgive us for ways, the ways that we haven't stepped up in the way that we should. And God, would today and, and this year just be a fresh start and a new beginning to accomplishing what you want to in us and through us. We love you, Lord. We just thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Just keep your eyes closed with me for a minute. 
you might be here today and, and uh, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we're getting ready to take communion in just a minute. But um, the reason we do that is because our lives have been changed because the Savior came to this world and lived a sinless life and died on the cross for us. And so we, we honor and celebrate him for doing that today. We're going to do that remembering through communion in just a minute. You might be here and you've never made the decision to follow Jesus. He loves you more than anything. He created and God created and designed you to have a relationship with him. And the only way that happens is not by being a good person, not by showing up to church every week. It's by admitting that we've sinned and putting our faith and trust in Jesus because Jesus died on the cross for my sins and your sins. And, and he has made us right in the eyes of God when we commit our lives to him and ask for forgiveness. And you can do that today, right now in this moment. I'm just going to lead you in a prayer. You make these words your own, if that's the decision that you want to make today. And if you make that decision, know this. The Bible says that the angels in heaven are celebrating. They're throwing a party because of one individual's been saved. One individual's come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So I want to just, just model this prayer for you. But you make these words your own. God, I come to you right now, and I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Jesus, thank you for coming into this world and living a sinless life and dying on a cross for my sins, for my mistakes, and being raised to life on the third day. I put my faith and my trust in you right now. ask you to be my Lord and Savior, and I'm going to live for you from this moment on. Jesus, thank you for this new life, this new beginning, this new relationship. It's in your name I pray. Listen, amen. If you prayed that prayer, we want to know about that. You can contact us. You can use the uh, connection cards over at the guest services table. You can grab me after service. Um, and uh, we, we want to know that. Here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you just to stand to your feet. And we're going to take communion together this morning. And uh, this is how I, I, I'd like it to work. Um, Mickey's going to lead us in a song in just a moment. And when she starts... If you'll just make your way forward, the elements are on these two tables. If you'd come from the two middle aisles to one of the tables in front, grab your element and then go out either of the sides. That'll just help with traffic. And uh, a couple things about communion. One, hold your elements till we've all been served, and then we're going to take communion together as a church family. Secondly, you don't have to be a, a member or even a regular attender uh, at Hope Church to be able to do this today. Just that you've made a decision to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You're welcome to be a part of this today. We would love that. And so um, as Mickey leads us in this song, would you just come forward and grab the elements? And then we'll, I'll, I'll, I'll talk for a minute or two and we'll take communion together in the next minutes. Jesus instructed us to, um, to remember his sacrifice for us consistently and let it be a reminder that uh, he is coming again and so man communion has so many aspects to it and we're going to read a passage um, in Corinthians where Paul was instructing this church in Corinth that that literally if you showed up into their worship service um, they, they had a lot of issues going on and so he was giving just some clear direction in these different issues and in these different points and, and communion was one of them. And here's what was going on. Um, is some of the people in the church were, were treating communion as like their meal. 
and, and they, they weren't giving it the reverence and the significance that it needed to have. And so he was just giving them some instructions. I, I say all that because we're going to read that scripture in a minute. But today, as, as we get ready to take communion together, and the, the juice represents the blood of Christ, and um, the, the cracker represents his body. There was, there was a point in, I believe it's in the book of John, where Jesus is talking about the need for those that follow him to drink his blood and eat his flesh. And it, it turned some people off. They walked away and said, oh, that, that's too extreme for me. And it's no surprise, Jesus spoke in parables from, from the time that he began his earthly ministry. And, and it's no surprise. That, but he, he was representing and, and trying to forecast for them what was going to happen to him on the cross. His blood shed. His body, which was beaten for us. And, and, um, and so... When we come to communion, here's, here's what I want us to think about today. As we take that cup and as we eat that bread, um, the only way that we have any forgiveness for all of our sins is through Jesus. It's Jesus. There's no other way. People have tried to make it other things. It's about Jesus. It's about him coming to earth and being obedient to the, the, the will of the Father and living a sinless life and, and being mocked, and betrayed, and put on a cross and killed. But he didn't stay in the grave. He rose on that third day through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so <laughs> I just have a hard time understanding and, and and wrapping my mind around a, a, a God that loved us enough to send his son for us so that our, our sins could be forgiven and we could have a new life. We could have a new relationship. We could have not only heaven as, a, as our eternal home, but that we could have a life right now that he's, he's walking with us. He's there every day. He's there in the tough days. He's there on the good days. He's there when we have tears. He's there when we're laughing. He's there through it all. And the cross is what makes that reality. Jesus' sacrifice is what makes that reality. The fact that my sins and your sins can be forgiven by this act that Jesus did for us. I mean, before that, they had to go through all different types. And you can find it in the Old Testament. All, all these different ceremonial um, offerings and sacrifices, different days of the, of the week. And Jesus said, I, I've come not to abolish the law, I've come to fulfill the law, and he did it by dying on a cross for us. I, I know I didn't deserve it. And as wonderful as you are, you didn't either. But he did it for us. So I want to read just 1 Corinthians chapter 11. This is what Paul tells this church who's kind of gone off balance a little bit in some of their worship things, and communion was a part of that. And he says this in verse 21. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. Meaning Jesus taught me this. I heard this from Jesus. On, on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes. 
Heavenly Father, we love you and we're so grateful for the sacrifice. Jesus, thank you for the sacrifice that you made for us. We're celebrating that and we're remembering that today in this moment. As we take this bread, as we take this juice, we're proclaiming you're the Lord and Savior of our life and we're proclaiming that you're yet to come, that you're gonna come. And we're ready for that because as much as we love some things about this earth, this earth is not our home, heaven is. And we're gonna be there with you one day. Thank you for that guarantee. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your sacrifice. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's take the bread together. Now let's take the cup. lift one of your hands or both of your hands, however you, you want to do it today. Can we just thank him right now in this moment? Just, just let him hear your words. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you for setting us free. Thank you for new life. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for loving us when we didn't deserve it. God, thank you for what you have done for us. God, thank you that we get to live in relationship with you. We're so grateful we're so humbled by this, and God, you are so worthy of our praise and our honor. We love you, Jesus. Thank you. God, thank you for being in this place today. Thank you for your presence being here. We love you, and we want to honor you and live for you in every area and arena of our life, that you would be first in everything. Help us to do that. Not so that we can be lifted up, not that so we can be pointed to, but God, that so we would lift Jesus up through the way that we live, through the way that we talk, through the words that we say, through the way that we treat people, for our love for others, that would just show the love that we've experienced from you. We thank you, Jesus, for this day and for who you are and for what you've done. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. Let me just say this really quickly. I'm going to dismiss you, but uh, we, we have to transform this room for tonight, and so we're going to take all the chairs and move them to the side and uh, move some tables out from the back and get them set up. You can see the diagram on the screens. If you have three to four minutes to help us do some of that, that's wonderful. God bless you. Have an amazing day. We look forward to seeing many of you tonight. Thank you.